0: Welcome to the Today's Modern Educator podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Hunsicker. In this episode, we're discussing how K-12 schools can overcome limited resources to get ahead of threat actors. Since the shift to remote learning during the pandemic, cyber attacks against education organizations have skyrocketed. A report from Checkpoint Research found that K-12 schools and universities were the top target of cyber attacks in 2022. School IT leaders are struggling to catch up while working with limited resources and workforce shortages. Meanwhile, threat actors are using artificial intelligence, automation, and ransomware as service to launch increasingly sophisticated and complex cyber attacks to exploit known vulnerabilities within K-12 schools. For our conversation, I sat down with Fadi Fatil, Field Chief Technology Officer at Palo Alto Networks and Anthony Padrinos. Executive Director of Technology at Salo Area Schools. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. So we'll go ahead and get started. I want to take this moment to thank both of you for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to have this conversation.
1: Happy to be here. Same here.
0: So we'll go with Fadi first. What are the biggest cybersecurity threats against K-12 districts today?
1: In addition to the mounting attacks and uh, the sophistication of those attacks and the fact that the bad actors have turned it into a lucrative business model, when we look at the school systems on the other end, the number one challenge that uh, is stopping them from... Um, being able to be ready and defend effectively against those attacks is resources and school systems are no stranger to the conversations about lack of resources or funding however when it comes to the cybersecurity investments it has not been the forefront of those investments and that uh, resource conversation is not um, only in terms of funding and ability to buy technologies or products or tools, but it's also um, in the I, in the fact that retaining um, the right expertise, the workforce challenge that is to re- retain the right expertise, to being able to attract them, hire them is one issue, and also having enough of those expertise uh, to be able to respond to the amount of alerts and uh, incidents that are happening and be able to defend against what we currently know uh, is also a throughput challenge and a bandwidth challenge and that's where tactical security comes to play where we basically address the situation that we have at hand and couple the, the purchases of cybersecurity tools and technologies with the human element and how do we make them scalable. And we do that through, again, tactical security. And we what we mean by that is, for example, adopting a platform approach. A platform approach allows you to minimize the amount of point solutions and the amount of vendors you work with for your cybersecurity tools and allow for integration that make it possible for uh, the school staff to be able to see a full picture and simplify a complex environment and being able to prioritize their response. And most importantly, a platform approach also allows you to automate a lot of their work. What we're doing these days is we're fighting machines, we're fighting the bad guys are using automations. And that's where the only way to win is to simplify our tools, adopt a platform approach and automate 80 or 90 percent of the daily activities in order for us to operate at a machine scale. So the, the the cybersecurity staff will be focused on the most immediate and pressing alerts.
0: Thank you, Fadi. Is there anything you'd like to add to this, Anthony?
2: Yeah, I think. Fadi touches on kind of the the largest component that that we navigate and how the technology solutions and partnerships that are out there assist to augment the maturity of of school districts and and how we get to to navigate the the ever-growing landscape that is cybersecurity. but I want to highlight and kind of reinforce you know one of the components and why there's such a need for that technology augment, augmentation is is really, when I look at it from a executive director of technology standpoint in a school system, it comes down to the human factor and the touch points and the capacity within our school organizations to be ready and understanding of how to address cybersecurity concerns. And, you know, we're in this interesting landscape where there's, there's, School districts are on this very wide scale of their readiness, maturity, and understanding. And it seems like it's been really even more recently that the culture around cybersecurity has become even more of a focus with all of executive leadership in a school organization recognizing that this is a part of an organization as a whole versus, you know, the historical, this is a technology problem and technology needs to to solve it. Um, And so, I think one of the greatest, you know, threats and challenges that we're navigating, besides looking at the resources that we need, is building uh, cybersecurity awareness and capacity throughout the organization with all individuals to understand their role in in our education system uh, in this practice.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that. So, how have cyber threats against schools changed and evolved? Like, for example, we've seen a increase, not necessarily in school districts, but for cybersecurity, we've seen an increase in vishing with the deployment of AI. So, Anthony, could you tell us about how this is changing and evolving in schools?
2: Yes. You know, I think when I think about very early in my career in education and Working in in the education and ed tech landscape, um, and talking to my a lot of my colleagues that have been in it for far longer than me, you know our greatest cybersecurity threat years ago, or the the largest one, uh, typically was curious students inside of a school system, wanting to see what they could do with the technology. And you know we're at a standpoint now where we still have those curious students, and those are the ones we want to cultivate and hire within our teams eventually. Um, But we have such a greater component of sophisticated threat actors that make up the majority of the threats coming into schools now from outside of our organization, Um, organized uh, entities, uh, nation states, um, and, you know, those looking to capitalize on making money. Um, or really, you know, attack the the largest capital public schools have, and that's our reputation and our trust factor, and cause disruption and reputational harm to our organizations. So it's it's very different what we're navigating and dealing with now, and how we engage with with our school community and the larger community at whole as we look to to triage and, and navigate these threats from being something that, you know, a curious student might be doing on a computer to now needing an active partner in order to have dedicated cybersecurity professionals and intelligence and solutions that can help us quickly identify, remediate, and respond to incoming Situations, so we don't end up with sophisticated ransomware attacks or phishing attacks that that we see very regularly within our organization to get deeper into the information that we have, which is you know now been very recognized as as being a way to capitalize um, with within the educational community.
0: Thanks, Anthony. Fadi, from your perspective, is there anything you'd like to add?
1: I think Anthony covered it very, very well. We we have got to be aware that schools also don't operate the same way they used to when we factor in remote and hybrid work. And when we talk about the remote work conversation, that's that's a zero in one, one conversation. You either have security off-prem or not. It doesn't matter how many people you have working remote or studying or learning remote and then the other thing is the appetite of academics in leveraging and using technology and technology services is has gotten a lot healthier than it used to be those two elements when you put them together where well, you're looking at a more complex environment whether it's your remote workers your remote learners your hybrid learning or if it's your cloud delivered securities cloud-delivered services. Those tools and services and technologies are very widely used in the K-12, and you are left with a complex and a lot larger and bigger landscape. And that is what the bad actors are taking advantage of. And that is where it comes to a point where school districts have got to adopt a mindset of simplification and automation in order to be able to catch up and allow machines to do the most of the work and and have the human intervention only for the um, uh, critical issues.
0: Great. So Fadi, let's specifically talk about what the key technologies are that, that keep schools safe from cyber
1: threats. Absolutely. So when we talk about those technologies, like one fundamental component is next generation firewalls complemented by advanced DNS and URL protection. Those are the absolute must. And if I double-click on advanced DNS and URL protection, we're talking about um, the most effective way or one of the most effective ways in battling phishing, scam attacks, and and, uh, keeping students from harmful content. Let that be inappropriate content, self-harm, cyberbullying, and so forth. So having those components is an absolute must but traditionally schools will have these components on-prem and of course you have the, the end point devices that um, the end user devices that um, users are using and having securities plugged into those and that's where the conversation gets a little more interesting because i like to always say tools before strategy you are headed for tragedy you have got to understand um, what does your daily operation look like? And again, that takes us to the example of remote learning. So when you have remote learning and you have your crown jewels in the data center and you have to drive data or the traffic from your remote learners back into the data center, that's a, an open invitation to the bad guys to get into the crown jewels. And doing so in VPN technologies and whatnot does not really help to backhaul all of that traffic from a not not a performance standpoint only, but again, it's an open invitation where users will always remain to be the weakest link. You have these devices at home logging on networks that you're not you don't know uh, about, and or what's how healthy those networks are. And at this point, providing the security is the endpoint protection or the uh, firewall protection or the advanced DNS and URL protection would make more sense if you deliver it through the cloud where users can connect to these resources directly without having to go back into the data center and you can eliminate that extra hoop. And that's what we call a SASE solution. And that's where Palo Alto have been helping a lot of school districts and a lot of folks in the public sector to protect their data centers. Um, The other thing here is, again, you go back to that uh, tactical security. There are a lot of tools, so one one way to do it is to consolidate and adopt a platform approach to minimize the amount of point solutions and screens your staff are looking at, to also simplify and automate these point solutions to talk to each other, and that's where the platform comes in. But then you're going to have to talk about who's operating these tools, and that's where we go back to the human element. So... To throw an example out there, during an attack, it is the most time when you need cybersecurity experts. That is the most time you need uh, cybersecurity staff. Everyone's dream at that time would be to multiply their cybersecurity staff to be able to to counter the attack. And during an attack, it's a very sticky process. You really want to stop that and limit the radius of the damage as fast as you can now when you tie that to the workforce challenge with the schools not all of your staff are going to be experts in dealing with an attack or ransomware attack or limiting that damage radius and that's where offers on the market other than tools such as incident response becomes super valuable these services that and, and we provide that to our customers and and they love them because First, we do tabletop exercises, which is basically a role play of who does what during an attack. And that is absolutely the most crucial thing, um, the most crucial capability an organization could have during an attack. It saves a lot of time and avoids a lot of challenges and mistakes. And then the other thing, you got cyber experts that you can call that can jump right in and support your staff because they know how to deal with these things. It's it's not their first, first rodeo. They know what to avoid, they know the sequence of events. And at the end also these incident response services can give you a quick scan of your environment and let you know, okay, if we were to attack you, here's where we we go. And for those who are having some challenges with the complexity of their environment and trying to put together a cybersecurity strategic approach, you can take the findings of these assessments and use the top findings and create a a three-year plan, a two-year plan with defined milestones and basically prioritize addressing your challenges or what gaps you have in your uh, cybersecurity posture. So again, I will summarize by saying next generation firewalls is a given. That's an absolute must. DNS and advanced URL protection, those are a must. Uh, I will double click on MFA. Um, we have, We will be remiss if we don't mention that. And multi-factor authentication is a capability that is also a non-negotiable and absolute must. And as you do that, make sure you're strategic about your tools. Don't try to buy different products from the market from different vendors, and then you're going to have to stitch them together. And you're adding just another challenge to the already existing challenges on your staff. Make sure you go with an integrated platform that you can turn on certain capabilities as you are ready for them. So you grow into the platform. Everything and the technology and the the interface will be familiar to your staff and support your staff by getting these incident response services and have them ready because it's absolutely a when, not an if, when a school district gets attacked, especially given the age of AI and automation that we are living in.
0: Yes, it surely is a daunting era we are getting into now with AI and automation. So, Anthony, is there anything you would like to add to this? Perhaps maybe talk about like the the current failings of current school technologies, or or where they come short, and why there's a need to upgrade.
2: Yeah, I think we talk about the upgrade side, a lot of it comes back to resources. You know, when I when I first think about this, it's the financial resources in order to ensure that you have and maintain an up-to-date system. And, you know, to kind of add the layer on to to Fadi cuz he he spoke highly of the foundational components that that you need to really have an essential security system to start but the next layer to that as you gain in your maturity is you know once you've got the firewall in place a solid firewall in place and you have those solutions in place it's really getting a, an edR um, endpoint detection response and an MDR managed detection response solution in place to kind of add that final, layer on and we've been going through this process here with within osseo for for the last several years as we've been building our maturity um, to build kind of that core security platform and then as we are looking at you know what it takes to get to the next step in terms of the technologies um, or pathways to really shore up our our security it really comes to having a team and solutions in place that can ingest and manage all the data and the alerts that are coming in. So all of these core systems are generating a lot of, lot of valuable information and data. And from a school system standpoint, you know we can't compete with what the private sector is looking at for hi- hiring a security staff. Um, or having dedicated security professionals on our staff, not to mention alone the, the workforce shortage that already exists within the cybersecurity space um, to be able to retain somebody in the K 12 sector while, while managing that. Um, so, you know, trying to spread those security roles out amongst staff in your, your team that already have other workloads to navigate within the system to keep your operations going. It really starts to become critical to have a, a trusted security partner to utilize a like a managed detection response solution um, with that technologies and a team that that can assist a school district in actually navigating the the challenges and the threats that come in and being able to get us in a space where we can respond rapidly
0: yeah, absolutely. It definitely sounds like there is a a strain between the the staff at school like that have to juggle between defending against the cybersecurity threats and then actually handing handling the the day-to-day operational aspects. Fadi, could you we talked about this a little bit already, but could you talk about how how these technologies are affordable and and easily managed?
1: Absolutely. It's important to talk about the impact of those attacks and the financial implications that are becoming increasingly uh, severe, uh, often resulting in millions of dollars in damage. But also I want to touch on another point that Anthony made and that is trust. Trust is our only currency in public education and those attacks will create a damage not only in terms of um, the financial implications or lost time uh of education but uh it's 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 a damaging thing to the trust that the stakeholders have in the school systems especially knowing that these attacks are not only holding the systems hostage but they're actually stealing data of students especially when you look at the age of students at the k-12 for for uh identity theft this is the prime the prime target and they're sold at a very large amount of uh, money on on the on the dark web so so when we put that in consideration then we might be ready to have a conversation about are these technologies affordable the question is actually are these technologies necessary and there is absolutely no doubt that there's no way to operate without them now when it we speak to the affordability there's a couple of things. You can you can definitely leverage your E-Rate dollars and your federal money to, to um, offset the bill, if you may. And then also there's a lot of attention to the E-Rate programs to include more of cybersecurity functions to be eligible in applying for the E-Rate funding. And also some of these technologies you have to have in order to, to be eligible for that E-Rate funding, such as DNS and URL filtering and making sure that your students are safe online. But when we come to the conversation about affordability it's also a lot easier and i'm going to keep going back to the platform conversation because it has multiple values that bring to the table uh, you know in addition to operational uh, ease and simplicity, it's a lot easier to adopt a platform approach and turn on certain features as you go, as opposed to have to go shopping every time you need a new capability and the sum of all these products will end up being higher than just adopting an integrated platform. And finally, in terms of making those easily managed, that's where we go with Uh, that simplicity and that integrated screen and that also allows these technologies to be to be manageable. So uh, in closing, it's important as we as technology leaders take the message back to the decision makers and the financial decision makers within the school districts and get it back to the why, not the what or how much. The why is our compelling event here and The damage of not investing in those tools is a lot more than what money can fix later um, in in a lot of cases.
0: Great. Thank you, Fadi. Anthony, anything you want to add to this?
2: Yeah, I think school districts have a strong case to make with with their communities and their executive leadership teams, kind of building upon what Fadi said. I mean, you got to start with the why, but... I think there's enough data and know there's enough data out there to show and demonstrate the return on investment that that schools get out of the investment within these these technologies that are there. Fortunately, it's not a space where it's going to be a, hey, we can replace a solution with this to get it in to, to kind of balance out where our expenses are. It is going to be an increased investment. But if you look at the model around partnerships with trusted security professionals and having quality uh, solutions in place you can do it in a highly cost effective way as opposed to you know the model that happens in the private sector where you're hiring a cybersecurity team when you think about you know a dedicated team and the amount of full time employees or fte that you would need to bring into your system to adequately address the needs and navigate the information and the threat landscape you can show and demonstrate that these partnerships and these technology solutions and the ability to automate actions for security purposes can really come in and be a solution that's more cost-effective than the private sector alternative as a whole all right and our final
0: question give it to anthony do the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agencies recommendations do they impact how k through 12 it pros should be thinking about cybersecurity and if so how do they
2: i would say yes i think the recommendations coming out of cisa or the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency provide a very strong foundation for essential practices and thinking that should be occurring within the, the K-12 technology landscape. But I think, you know, the challenge comes is that it's a foundational recommendation that, you know, K-12 schools aren't uniformly built. So, you know, the, e- the technology ecosystem that each school district brings forward has something unique that, there needs to be kind of time to process through and look at how those recommendations fit within that ecosystem and provides great opportunity for collaboration and partnership with with private sector and other school district organizations uh, to understand how to best build those foundational recommendations in to to create a strong cyber hygiene posture. Uh, within each individual uh, school system and so i i think it's it's a good start starting space to spur the conversation for how we build grow and design a a quality security program with, within our our each individual school system
0: great so it sounds like that there there's no cookie cutter solution but it does lay a great Foundation, and that's where private companies can can step in to help build upon that and and customize and cater to the needs of the school districts. On that note, is there anything you'd like to add, Fadi?
1: I think Anthony covered it really, really well. Um, It's definitely not one size fits all. A guidance is a general guidance and general set of capabilities that school has or has to have but at the end of the day, you got to play the environment that you're dealing with. And from that, that's where the partnerships come come in and the industry can come in. And that's what we do with a lot of our customers. We sit down and basically do a SWOT analysis. What do they have going for them? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What opportunities can we leverage? What are the threats that they're under? And then take that matrix and map it to how do we leverage our solutions? So we place our solutions in strategically where the strengths are and multiply those strengths and target their weaknesses. And that's that's intentional security. This is this is what helps you have a strategy before you jumping in the tool, in the tool space. And, and that's where this collaboration takes the general guidelines that SISA gives out and, and and makes it alive and uh, correspondent to the reality of each district.
0: Anything before we wrap up that you
2: would like to, to add that we may have not been able to cover? Fadi brought up a really great point that you know I've taken true for really any form of program implementation, technology implementation, and it really has to be strategy before tools that organizations really need to sit down and talk about the why of why we're doing cybersecurity and have a strong conversation about, you know, what is our risk tolerance and the strategy that we wanna implement um, in order to meet our risk tolerance and secure our organization the best we can. Um, the second piece that I would highlight, and I know we we touched on it a little bit uh, within you know, automation of the security solutions. But you know, AI technologies on a broader scope in terms of supporting school districts with within the security realm um, has has a lot of lot of possibility that's out there right now. So you know we're we're utilizing some solutions that have AI technology built into it in terms of our filtering and our managed detection and response and automating playbooks. But just even helping to build capacity within our own staff. You know, I've got team members who are using ChatGPT pretty regularly to help build base scripts to take actions within the organization to patch things or take remediation rather quickly without, you know, having a dedicated professional who, who knows deep code writing. Um, on hand so that I can be effective and efficient with, you know, again, the human resources that I have on staff um, in partnership with, you know, the other organizations we work with.
0: Thank you, Fadi and Anthony, for joining us today. And a big thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in staying up to date on the latest best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for leveraging innovative technologies in K-12 schools and universities, be sure to visit todaysmoderneducator.com. I've been your host, Lucas Hunziker. Until next time, so long.